Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gayatri. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You'll also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. The last year or more has been a tough one for all of us and the second wave of COVID-19 has been much worse. To help those affected by the pandemic in India, the podcasting community has come together under the hashtag #podforchange banner to raise funds through an exclusive NGO partner, Give India. Please join PM Power Consulting and the Software People Stories and #podforchange as we look to make a positive impact in the lives of those affected by COVID-19. Please visit the link in the description. Someone really needs the help. Welcome to this episode of the Software People Stories. Gayatri is in conversation with Amit Sarangi, an agile evangelist and coach. In this conversation, Amit shares his experience right from childhood about learning through stories influenced by his parents and how he started his career as a business analyst and finally grew into being an agile coach. He also talks about the need to understand people as people and relate to them and a lot of other experiences listen on hi amit good evening thank you for coming uh, appearing on uh, software people stories lovely to have you here thank you gayatri this has been a pleasure thank you for inviting me so amit i know you for some time now so i wanted to hear i wanted you to introduce yourself how has your journey started and uh, what are you doing now Okay so I call myself an agile evangelist today typical I think Indian technocrat or whatever you call it right I started as a software engineer then started with Infosys in fact straight from the college uh, campus recruitment got into oracle applications was a consultant traveled a bit worked with few clients and then post that today I'm with Fidelity Investments which is a firm in based out of US but uh, it's a I work out of Bangalore working on software uh, again came to fidelity as a delivery lead or a manager but then I got this opportunity to get become a coach uh, agile coach I have been dabbling with agile as a manager here and there it was an opportunity to try something different so today I work as a coach I support the coaching organization here uh, at fidelity at india for a specific business unit so that's my that's been my journey and it's been in, an interesting one all right sounds so many questions are coming to my mind amit i will get started with you you said uh, you've been a consultant started in oracle or er erp side of you know normally we have software engineers who talk about coding or uh, talking from a more from a developing code so how was that from a configuration perspective right today we talk about no code as a cool yeah. thing right so we, you you've been doing it for, from uh, from early on days so if you understand that typical uh, erp software the, the way they were written right i think the first phase was when you write all the software custom code for a particular need and then the era of erp started i think around 90s roughly when they picked up where uh, you write a platform which can cater to some basic generic needs of a certain business i was focused on more on hrms and that's actually that has been a theme in my career uh, hr related uh, uh, you know uh, solutions 
So I went into HR uh, and there was SAP, there was uh, even a CRM systems, Siebel systems, et cetera, on platforms, right? And you take those and you understand the business and you figure out, okay, what features or what code or what pieces of that software caters to what kind of business? Because every business eventually is different. The way they do it, maybe the basic functions are the same, but the way it connects, way it all integrates together, they are different. My job was to understand as an analyst and as a functional consultant or a techno-functional consultant was to go in, work with the business, work with the client, understand how it should be, then go back. I understand my platform, which was Oracle HRMS Systems, and say, okay, this can be configured this way. Now, if some enhancements are required, you go back, request for an enhancement, get it done, and then release it out. So it was interesting because today you say that, you know, the no-code feature where you plug and play code, uh, this is more so. It was like all checklists. Okay, these are the features if you toggle on and toggle off, and a feature gets enabled and you take it forward from that. It was a little bit of more PL SQL that time where you used to do these enhancements. Okay, this database, that database, small hooks, user hooks that were provided to you where you can just latch on your small piece of code just to give that additional bit of functionality. Yeah, been been there from the start. I never realized that it was it was a movement that will become so widespread. But yes, we were a part of it. I know it's right now. While earlier HRMS was on prem, now everything is uh, off prem and it's becoming more as a service, right? Yes. Many uh, many organizations are moving it as a service or a no code base and add a few functionalities, right? It is amazing to uh, for you to talk about. I remember. I joined Infosys right off my college. So it is, I, the original one was having a Dart, having some of those, you know, um, mm-hmm. the, the, what kind of a systems for him, HR management, Alcons and all of that. So is that different based on the organization itself, the HRMS systems? Uh, or is it, you saying that it's very customized, right? Based on where the so, companies are. So the basic functions remain the same. So you have staffing, for example, recruitment, right? Recruitment is a key function that every HR needs. You have learning systems. You have uh, the core organizational system where the organizational structure is required. How does businesses or how does different business units interact with each other? You have to uh, define the relationships between departments, how they interact, et cetera, right? How it is structured, what comes under what, the hierarchy, organizational hierarchy itself. Then the people hierarchy. How are the people? What are the data points? What are the... so so there is an organizational hierarchy, then you have to build the people hierarchy where you talk about, okay, what are the grading systems? What are the positions? How does the salary, the payroll systems, right? So I think by nature, most of the HR systems are similar or uh, they have the same functions, but one payroll definitely is not the same as the other payroll, right? There are different components to it. There are different elements to it. The calculations are different. I pay my bonus a certain way. The other does a different way. Now, uh, the erstwhile ERPs, what they did is they tried to create a generic, okay, they researched multiple businesses across different industries, found out that, hey, overall, roughly, this is 80% of common elements that are available across the industry in payroll, for example. And you give that, and then you can configure elements, right? You can say that, okay, how can you make it configurable? How can an account number that you can set up can be configurable? Because HR end up, they need your bank account details, your personal phone number details, your email addresses, the way your employee ID is set up, et cetera, et cetera. Hierarchy is set up. Uh, is it a supervisor-based hierarchy? Is it a position-based hierarchy? How do you want to set that up? So more or less, these are certain ways there's always be common. The way you recruit, the way you staff, the way you uh, manage trainings, for example. HR operations, how do you manage the data? That's a big part of HR systems, right? All the documents that comes in, gets approved, gets stored. 
etc the audit trail i think those are all constant so these arps actually help my company currently uses a system uh, from workday i think that's common knowledge so let me go there i think workday was created by few people who came from oracle and they went into people soft sorry they came from people soft the, the ceo of people soft people soft got bought over by oracle so that person quit and created workday now workday is a great competition it's completely saas i see the features i understand the features there but yeah that's a new world now so everything is on saas uh right yeah. with amazon and everything coming on right it's amazing right to see the areas that we have worked upon and we become the users after a while it's a, it's a fantastic journey when we talk about hierarchy and organizational model i know you got into agile world of things how has that moved your world in terms of working in a very strictly hierarchical model decisions were taken at a four five levels higher than you while yeah. now decisions are being taken as close as possible if the timelines are short how have you seen that change in your uh, career i think the biggest change i think one thing that you have brought about is the decision making right the decision making is a lot closer to the work on the ground than before uh, earlier we used to just execute the plan so there used to be a big plan which is like a one year two year plan and then you have a big mpp and you have those gantt charts and other things and you say that okay hey, these are my milestones and i'm working towards that right and then you come and execute towards that deadline since okay this is what the requirement is you typically even don't question the requirements you just take those requirements find out the best possible the fastest and the best possible way to achieve those requirements in the given time period and that's it it was like you completely become invisible right it is like a black box approach you can re- relate that to mole hole kind of a game you remember mole hole in the malls where you tap on a hit the yeah exactly the moles right so i'm like a mole i come up to get the requirements and then i completely hide underneath the layer to do what i do and then the client has no idea what is happening till i again raise my head up saying that okay guys done this is my milestone and this is what my code looks like right and that might be 6 months hence from that era of that mole hole concept to here where maybe the mole hole still remains but in a sprint uh, max you do it as a two week or a three week sprint right so mole hole maybe still is there but that the time period between me rising my head up from the work that i do is like from 6 months it has gone come down to maybe two weeks so that's a change the other thing is that the way leadership looks at it right and that's that's a complete 360 degree change if i say so maybe 180 degree right it's going the opposite way not 360 degree <laughs> yeah and i correct myself others it was like a command and control right you give orders you say that hey this is the plan and this has to be done and then that's it there's no questioning the leader but then today the leadership is actually listening to you it is all about providing the direction providing the purpose so earlier we never knew what code were we really writing what is that software meant for i like the software but i don't know how it will be used who is using it i never know the customer uh, and if i'm working for a big platform and i'm working on a small module in that platform i don't even know how the other modules are coming together there's someone in invisible cloud who knows that and who is the god and who is all bringing all these elements together right but today that is the first thing that you know the leaders ensure that this is the first thing that you know is okay how are everything coming together that's disadvantage in a way that there's a lot of knowledge for me to as a youngest guy on the team there's a lot of knowledge for me to take in and digest consume and figure out insights and then respond or react to it but then it does take me a lot closer to the real work right the real value to the customer which is 
so I have an opportunity. I don't say I will always do it, but I always have that opportunity to take that step and respond in a way that might be different than the original plan. Very true. In fact, when you're talking about mole, the hole in the hole, I was thinking, see, right now, given that it is very often, earlier there used to be a leadership layer who used to protect the team. The sense that when you get engaged or the client is engaged or enraged, as the case may be, you have the impact lesser. You feel sure. as if, okay, you are ensconced in a bubble. So you get limited information and you are just down on your saying and you keep doing it. But now one of the things that I often hear is that there is a pressure is there because you are directly visible to your stakeholders. It means that <laughs> there is that much more responsibility that you carry and and it takes a while for somebody to get adapted to it feeling just the pressure of it but also say okay maybe there is a different way of working right i think that is the hardest part no definitely especially when you are used to this culture and in fact i remember our earlier conversation right hofstad's uh, the culture model whether you talk about the power distance i remember that all the time that so let's talk geographies right in a world where we are typically we have a higher power distance in india so we expect a little bit of that command and control all the time now things are changing definitely things are changing and things are changing really really fast but how are we changing that mindset are the leaders changing the mindset fast enough and that takes a toll on you so you are not naturally uh, in, inclined to question authority right so that means it has to be a trait that has to be trained into you or that has to be taught to you and told to you that hey it's okay because from a childhood yeah okay don't question your father right you you don't question your elders you just remain silent and listen to them and that leaves a mark now suddenly you come say no no okay the world has changed and now you question the person in authority right and that necessarily doesn't work maybe the younger youngsters is easier because they don't have the training yet some people in the middle like us maybe are a little caught in the middle <laughs> caught in the middle exactly so we'll have to figure it out we have to learn so i think that's where that empowering or the training or the enabling comes in and as senior leaders it is the job of leaders or i call that management going back to management 3.0 concepts right not managers but management it is the job of the management to uh, create that environment where the middle management is empowered they they know that okay hey, they can give up right give up that control and they can create an so their job is to build provide direction and build an environment where the people closest to the ground closest to the real work that is happening are also the ones who can take those decisions or calls to find out the fastest and the best way towards that uh, value very true ramit in fact some of the things that you're talking about ensuring that you as a person are enabling and that takes a long higher impact right rather than you know fishing for somebody teaching them to fish and making those innovation happening all the time because more and more voices are heard more and more you get a get a sense that okay okay some our work is done here maybe the, there is another area that uh, needs a better work so when we talk about agile and empiricism how is that data are you using enabling decision or enabling uh, your teams to understand how they are doing are you uh, using some uh, you know some techniques around that uh, amit i think from a data perspective it's all drives down to couple of things in my mind uh, this is just a personal opinion here one is about access uh, access to the right information at the right time right so one is about access to the right information 
Second is about the capability to draw insights out of the data. Data as is, is worth nothing. It's just garbage, right? So garbage in, garbage out. Only once you have models, mental models, data models that can be applied to that raw data to draw insights, then it is powerful. Now the third leg in that tripod and which is the most important one is action. If there is no engine to take those insights and draw actionable items out of it and take it forward and then the feedback loop should go back to the action that's, that closes the loop, right? Then again, data is not powerful. Now there are tools that are, so it needs access. So it can be done through tools, models, education, some level of support, mentoring, coaching, etc. All of those come together, but I think they are all there for this three-pronged approach to data. When we say data-driven organizations, I feel it is all about this. It's all about awareness and access to the right data at the right time. Uh, it's about the capability to draw insights, understand and draw insights. So what am I looking at, right? Uh, it needs skills. And the third is about the, the intent to take those actions identify actions, work on it, bite-sized, right? Uh, again, iterative, fit, adapt really, really quickly, get, gather customer feedback, and then again, look at the data, saying that, okay, hey, what has changed, right? Uh, from my last experiment. Any stories there, Amit, that you can share without revealing your client's uh, information? <laughs> yeah, no, today I don't have work for clients, fortunately. Uh, it's one organization that I work for, and. There are very interesting stories there. Before that, I used to work with Infosys and uh, I've worked with multiple organizations through Infosys. So there have been a lot of failure stories and success stories. So we have done that level of, but I don't think there were, when we were as a service organization, right? When you're working with our clients, there was a deliberate attempt at these mental models. I think that is, if I have to go back to that thing and I say that, okay, hey, what can I change, right? Uh, we used to do that. It's not that we did not do that. There will be relationship managers used to go work with the customer. There'll be these on-site coordinators, right? Used to call them. Whole soul, it's not about job, but it's about working with the client uh, managers, leaders there, understanding the sense, right? Okay, what is important for you? How can we build it? And then come back, work with the developers saying that, okay, what can be done, uh, right? Let's not promise the moon when we cannot deliver it. Uh, and then go back and say, that, okay, does this, does this work for you, right? This is exactly the same way you get the data, get the data requirements, understanding, okay, what is possible in the platform, and then go back and validating your assumptions with your customers, saying that, okay, hey, this is what can be done within the platform. There was a small caveat there called as a change request process, CR process, where you say that, okay, hey, by the way, the platform doesn't support this. Now, if you want enhancements, yes, we can build it for you, but we'll charge you for it right? Let's, yeah. let, let us bring in the change request process and we charge you this many money uh, based on estimates, etc. And then uh, the client will go, no, 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 I want it free. And then of course the negotiation starts, right? But uh, we used to do that. But then uh, I think what we never did is that understand that, okay, it is a process. It is a, it is a good practice. It was more of a sensing and some were good at it naturally, some were not, good, not so good at it, right? And success and failure was a more of a chance of having the right people at the right places, uh, visionaries somewhere and execution, you know, operational people on the helm of things running it. And you need everyone. You need every kind of person in your team to run it, right? You need your visionaries, you need your people managers or people leaders, right? Who can actually bring people together to make it work. You need your execution and operation guys. You need your, need your analysts, people who can churn that data, look at it and make uh, sense of it. Out of it. Yeah. 
makes sense at all. So you need all those kind of guys, but it could have been that, okay, you could have got the wrong guy on the wrong place. Very much possible. And things would have gone flat and did go flat, actually. Uh, I have had things in my life, which I cannot say here, that have gone bad because of just the same reason. People are really good. It's not that people are bad. I know the right intent. Uh, I have a sincere belief that every person, there are very few evil people in this world, very few of them, right? So everyone tends or wants to do the best uh, in his or her capacity in that particular scenario that he or she is put in. Uh, I sincerely believe in that. Uh, It is just about recognizing that what his or her skills are and aligning them to the right space and the right opportunity. Failure is not a personal failure, it is just a mismatch. And I've seen, yeah, it's a system. So I've seen many mismatches and I've seen many successes happening. So I think the only change is people making it a science rather than an art of doing that matching. Now we have all the psychological profiles and things and actually organizations acknowledging that there is the human element is the strongest element. Right. So you talk about big change compared to what it was earlier. Earlier, it used to be that, okay, you have this uh, skill. That's it. You are matched and that you are deemed to be successful. That's about it. There's no such thing of, you know, cross-functional. You may be good at automation, but not necessarily manual or vice versa. So I think that sort of understanding has come in the last five, six years where you say, okay, we bubble up faster. You know that uh, if a team is not able to churn out features in the next in the two, three months, maybe some some change has to be. You also get immediate retrospective feedback also. Saying what, what exactly. is that one change that we can do? What are the things exactly. that we could? I think that is a very healthy from a, a person perspective, right? The team members as well as the leadership also. There's no, you know, guess, guesswork is case to yes. some extent removed. So I think, see, you're talking human end of the day, right? There is nothing in the world that can measure a human brain. It's complex. It's uh, mercurial. It changes. It changes with the sun, with the wind. The rain is there. And if it has been raining for a month, I am a different person. If it is hot and suddenly it rains today, it, I'm a different person with the same rain, right? So I, I have a history to myself. I cannot ignore my history. So that that works. that works makes me unique and makes me powerful as well, right? That's what makes me human. But I think there is a lot more acceptance of that humanness of teams. We are not robots. Just because I'm a Java programmer, I can do this program at the same level of capacity or efficiency or effectiveness every time I hit the keyboard is not accepted anymore. It's okay. There is a human element. You might be sad, sick, happy, euphoric, or facing something and that's accepted. That's okay. We account for it as a team, we plan for it, we cover for it and we'll go forward with it, right? So I think that acceptance of humanness in organizations and in teams is a big change in my mind. And I think that is completely welcome, right? Uh, more and more automation you get, more and more no code you get. It means that you, we are actually getting into the higher level of specialization. It means yes. that we need somebody who comes in, be able to resolve it or at least come and say, communicate that, okay, no, no, this is too big. I need help. I feel that more and more we get vulnerable. I think uh, we are going to be able to show the humanness and uh, show ourselves better and decisions. And, and we also can move forward. 
right rather than exactly. saying okay <laughs> there is a false hope created and you say okay and then people get disappointed expectations are i used to hear so much about lawsuits when i when i started my career right 10 15 years back because expectations were mismatched and all we had to go is we had we had to go go and go into a <laughs> legal matter it's almost unheard of not necessarily not there but very few and far between so i do True. think that that's a that's a big change from a what you see is what you get a world today that we are in i think that's a big change and i'm liking what what i'm seeing now definitely so uh, i know you're talking about uh, how brain is a mercurial and uh, i know you read a lot of books uh, from your uh, parents being uh, both are professors in bhubaneswar right so tell me about your them and how they steered you towards this uh, towards your career yeah so you don't uh, mind <laughs> no no definitely not uh, definitely not my childhood is a little different being born to professors and they are both from sanskrit sanskrit professors right i got exposed to stories a lot now i realize by the way this is all retrospective okay i did not have this realization till maybe a long time in my adulthood but now i realize that what actually shaped you was this exposure to a ton of stories because sanskrit uh, because of course it's a, it's a ancient language a lot of the scriptures are there in sanskrit so you had this tikas uh, which were basically translations of by various people uh, of different sanskrit textures and believe me and my love for mythology and stories came from there beautiful stories and beautiful you know imaginative worlds where things are coming in and it's sometimes real sometimes a little unreal but all happening together right and you get introduced to the world and you get introduced to dreams and in, you get introduced to unreal possibilities opportunities right so you realize that maybe some nothing is impossible because in some world in some realm it is possible and yes i have been brought up and because of the scriptures and everything our indian way of life right i always had this image in my childhood and i think sorry this image comes to me suddenly left nida vishnu i am not sure if you understand if you have heard of that so uh, nida so nida vishnu they say is the is a creator who is beyond all these universes so the all the universe has been imagined as multiple universes so it's about dc or marvel's parallel universe concept right okay, okay. so there are millions and millions of these universes all around and they are nothing but droplets or atoms that nidavishu is sleeping on the seashore and he is breathing in and out and these universes are getting destroyed and being created with every breath right if that is true somehow then anything and everything at the same time can be true or not true yeah so so you always have this get this opportunity to dream and somewhere and you can make up stories and so your mind becomes a little bit more open to different possibilities and that was a very influential aspect uh, that you know you are just open to possibilities that's it you are open to stories you are exposed to a ton of ton of books my house had lot less furniture than books uh, <laughs> yeah my father was a hoarder of books and somewhere my siblings all my siblings have we have got the same inherited the same bad habit which our respective spouses necessarily don't like uh, <laughs> Like we hold books. We don't read them as much. We just love to hold them. Fantastic, Amit. You're saying is uh, there are realms of possibilities, and it's a matter of uh, creating our own. What you talked about mental model in the earlier uh, when we're talking about professional, it's a similar thing, right? If you create a mental model of possibilities, this is a way you can try it. 
I think that also brings a very positive view to your own world, right? And you say, okay, there is a spin of positivity that you bring in and that in itself opens up several doors, not necessarily physical doors, but also mental doors. <laughs> Let me try this. Let me try this option. Maybe this is something that doesn't work. Let's try something else. That is a very, very positive path. I, I am enjoying your uh, <laughs> story. <there. laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Gayatri. I think you're right. You're right. Uh, if I have to apply that right to our current life or world or the professional life, the one thing is that the uh, the will to experiment and curiosity about every aspect. Just ask the questions. And I think I'll take your word, vulnerable, right? Being vulnerable not to be right. Most of the times, by the way, because when you're asking questions, you are also exposing your innate un, like, you know, you don't know, right? Ignorance. Yeah. Some, Ignorance. Uh, you think that, you know, leader, leaders are supposed to know everything. That's not necessarily true or uh, you have to be knowing, but not necessarily everything. Yeah, exactly. Now, I think that is where uh, maturity comes in. It's that curve of knowledge. Uh, okay. You know, you come uh, Denin Kruger's effect, right? Uh, where you say that, okay, with little bit of knowledge, you feel you know everything. And as you get more and more, you know that you don't know you anything. Know anything right? <laughs> and you start realizing that, okay, guys, okay. And that's what maturity is. So I think it comes with that. It comes with more knowledge. So how fast, I mean, that's true. And I think it will be foolish to say that nobody will go through that phase. Uh, I have been through and I can assume that everyone will be going through that phase and in different aspects. And you just go from one area to the other area. So at some point of time, I will assume that I know everything about this topic. And at the next instance, I'll realize, okay, I don't know this. And I don't know this. And then I know that, okay, I'm actually getting mature in the topic. And that's, that's a universal truth. I hope that I just, how fast you go through that peak of ignorance or self-appreciation and go to that space where you are accepting all knowledge, being curious about everything out there. Uh, and just absorbing it, right? And keeping it and decimating true, true. is the is a game. Yeah. Very true. In fact, um, I mean, the conscious competence and unconscious incompetence is a, yeah. is a, is a matter of, you know, saying, okay, are you conscious of it? And it's okay to know that you don't, you're comp- not competent, but at least you, you have a path towards it. I think that's a very important journey to go, particularly in this digital era where technologies and how we were, how we are working is changing rapidly, worked earlier no longer is true. When we're talking about choices, right? What are the few decisions or choices that you made that you think made you as a person who you are today? I think there are a couple of choices that actually brought me to this point today. One key choice I made was, uh, I was with Infosys. I have also been with Infosys, as you know, started my career there, spent a lot of years, uh, 12, 13 years there. But at some point of time, and it was going pretty much well, it was a standard career path and you're growing and you had a bigger portfolio and a different work to do, et cetera, et cetera, right? Suddenly, uh, I just got an opportunity and I just thought that, okay, it's not interesting enough. Is this what it is? Is there something else out there, right? And being born and brought up in my professional career with Infosys, you don't know what was the world out there. But yes, we were born into an era where we were always loyal to the company that we worked with. Today, I don't know if the youngsters think that way. Even uh, if such a thing exists at all, that, you know, stay. Exactly, yeah. Company. True, <laughs> true. But uh, somewhere it was there, right? We were in that era where we were born into parents, worked with the company for 40 years and retired from there. So 
you were expected to do the same thing. You never thought of switching companies then. But then, uh, and it's a very tough choice. But we took, uh, I took it thanks to a friend of mine who made, who helped me make that choice or the decision. And that was a very decisive moment. I joined a startup where we were trying to figure out uh, about agile organizations, models on agile organizations, and that's where I got introduced to agile. Not in the agile framework or the manifesto, or, but in terms of true agility of organizational agility, right? Okay, how can we model organizations to bring build in agility? And that introduced me to this concept of agility, concept of effectiveness, concept of this experimental culture, etc. And this is after one year, it didn't work out for me. Unfortunately, uh, not didn't work out for the organization itself. We had to all go our different places. But thanks to that organization, I am uh, I discovered a new world. First, I got out of my comfort zone. I was really doing well in Infosys and pretty much okay. Standard career paths, etc. Promotions when it should happen, portfolios when it should happen, etc. Nothing way out of the ordinary, but things when it should happen, right? With a life and everything. But this kind of shook me up, saying that okay, there are possibilities, there are uh, opportunities out there which I was not necessarily exploring, and that took me to this path. I did not work. Then I got bold. I was in Hyderabad then. I got bold. Uh, another friend helped me uh, figure out an opportunity here with Fidelity, joined here. And then the next opportunity came by of being a coach, actually leaving my current role of being a portfolio leader or a delivery leader and move on to the role of a coach where I was an IC first and then I'm supporting a group of coaches here. Yeah, after that change, it has been multiple changes and all these changes and these choices, right, of uh, changing my career path and has been, uh, has brought me here to this point. Uh, and I'm really glad for those choices and the opportunities that came by. Very nicely put, Amit. Uh, when we started, right, uh, the our successes used to be determined as to number of people who used to report to us. How, True. what, either in the dollar size or the number of people. While now you see it, it's more of impact and how much are you impacting? And what is the dollar that you are able to impact and make that lifelong change, right? I think that in itself is a very important step, choosing and going into your uncomfortable position, right? Come out of your comfort zone. It's the hardest step, extremely hard. I'm happy that you took. No, true. And uh, thanks to, I think the universe, I am a sincere believer in the universe and things necessarily have to have and the universe gives you these choices and makes it a little bit easier for you to make those choices as well. Sometimes, for example, even the pandemic is, I think, universe's way of telling us that, you know, go digital, right? Walk from home, go digital. It is possible. Believe me, how many companies imagined that all their work could be done offline in a work from home? Yes, there is some stress factor. There are some elements that can be done a little better online, maybe. But still possible, can be done. So a world post-pandemic will be a very different world than March 2020, right? And people react, and, and believe me, and I think I was listening to some Gartner or some other talks where they said that the world took exactly 100, roughly 100 days to transform from an from office-based world to an online work-from-home world. It just took 100 days. That's all, right? That's all. Human so, ingenuity. <laughs> exactly. No, and, and so everything is an opportunity. It is about universe plotting, if I can say so, to make you change and providing you so and had it had this happened maybe 30 years back or 20 years back, was it possible? Maybe no. Think of it. Maybe the technology was not good enough. The network connectivity we have got what I have got like a 300 Mbps line today. 
and that was i have got it for the last only 2 years or 3 years 5 years back i was really happy with the one mbps line yeah i know exactly. you should have been more than happy with that like exactly. can you imagine i mean uh, video calls are the norm things that are you know streaming no issues documents are being such a large documents are being downloaded updated in fact we have cells to uh, pptts being updated by te- five six people together at the same time yeah. hyper collaboration at the max true and organizations have completely gone online so they are working with office 365 google docs etc so why do we need a laptop if if i can completely work online all this collaboration slack teams and everything etc etc coming in together so everything is going online what i need is just a very high powered bandwidth and uh, okay i'll tell you one i'll share one story this time around march i went back to my village i just it has been a year and i wanted to go meet them okay. i went there and uh, the surprise is i was telling see my neighbor everyone is an uncle there right my uncle there i am talking to him of course he's old and he talked okay what are you doing no yeah how are you working here no i got broadband and uh, and, and i'm working here I, i so oh yeah yo you got broadband and uh, the way he said broadband it was a there was a familiar tone to it i was really surprised you okay you know broadband because think of it my phone doesn't have my couple of years back i used to struggle for a phone network my phone will not come right and thanks to jio luckily that now phone works in my village nothing else works okay. but uh, but he was talking broadband yeah yeah i know broadband yeah oh, okay how do you know broadband wow. okay you know there were like six seven people from chennai they used to work in there now they're all in the village uh, poor guys they came back after this pandemic and they have been have they, they have taken connections here and they're working okay <laughs> think of it now that is a possibility real possibility where i can be in my village there's a fine broadband connection i can sit on the near the pond where i used to fish earlier in my childhood uh, and there'll be no phone network nothing even the power cuts will be there for like 10 hours a day types and now in the middle of the pond i can just sit there and connect my laptop and i can work from there with a beautiful natural background i don't have to have this uh, you know <laughs> fake background created fake background created yeah? beautiful backgrounds yeah people will be jealous i don't know if it technology is a positive or a negative but it is there and it was possible today right i think what i was alluding to is that everything opportunity happens at the right time like uber uh, right uber could not have happened if smartphones were not there or the connectivity or the if i would have uh, like the earlier days of 2g when map and other things are doesn't work that fast on my phone 4g doesn't exist uber was not possible uber was made possible because of google maps because of a lot of other technologies that came in right and it's all an iterative addition from the previous and you just keep adding on the top of it and just realize okay what we have and go forward and just look out for those opportunities where the universe gives us this possibilities right so we have to explore those possibilities very nicely put amit in fact uh, what you are saying is we are standing on shoulders giants and we have to make our shoulders broad enough so that others can stand on us and and uh, go yeah. further and further i think that's what our legacy is i've been thinking now i'm an old old person so i have to think of legacy <laughs> so no no yeah we have to reality <laughs> age catches up with you you have to think of legacies so what's your legacy this is a question that comes to my mind 
And I think that is what your legacy is. You live the world a little better than before. My wife and me will maybe disagree on that, what better means. Technology versus is more into nature and okay, we are destroying nature by bringing in all this technology, etc. But so maybe somewhere in the middle, maybe can technology help preserve nature? Because yes, because with the digital world, I don't need so much of energy, right? Uh, I just need micro volts and mini volts to work rather than thousand volts to make a motor work, right? Can that be done? Very, very nicely put, Amit. Uh, uh, what is your legacy and what does it, where are you going to take that away from here, right? It's been an excellent conversation so far, Amit. I, I, I couldn't even believe that <laughs> time is off past. So I want any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? I think I just leave it to the last thing that was, we were talking about, right? It's all about uh, being curious. It's all about the potential, right? It is all about exploring the possibilities. One thing is that you cannot ignore the past. There's no point in reinventing the wheel. So realizing, understanding where we are, what we do, then uh, looking at the future. So you'll have to look at both past and the future. Uh, I think somebody said, I, but uh, somebody said that, you know, if you don't understand your past, you don't know where you come from. Correct. So you need, you need to know where you have come from and where you have come from. The ones who realize where you have come from, you know, your roots that should tell you where you want to go and then just open up your eyes and just see. Wow. <laughs> Fantastic. Amit. Thank you so much for your time. And it's been a great conversation and I loved your uh, positive spirit and how, what, you know, your roots are telling you to go towards. I love it. Uh, Amit. Thank you. Thank no, you. Thank you. I, it was really nice talking to you. I, I don't know. It was just a flow. So <laughs> thanks for the opportunity to talk and, was nice uh, i think going back to the past and making connections right it was really nice to do that thanks for being such a nice host we thank siddharth for the music and anita for promoting the software people stories if you like this episode please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.